RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Derek Daniel is on 1,200 hectares uh, near Masterton in Wairarapa, a farm, though very steadily over the uh, not too uh, a long period of time just gone, surrounded now mostly by forestry. And Derek Daniel joins us here at Reality Check Radio. Derek, thanks for giving us a bit of time to chat. Yeah, good morning, Paul. Okay, so first of all, tell us about um, your location, where you are. So uh, I take it back in the day you were surrounded just by other farms. <laughs> yes, uh, that, that's correct. Although uh, some, of, some of our country is poor soils, and so there's also regenerating bush and monica. It's actually a very good uh, monica honey a stand on one boundary and on our southern boundary we had pine trees that were planted in 1975 to 1980 because of the forestry encouragement grant scheme that the government brought in at that point. Right. Four, there's been four tree planting booms in New Zealand's history. The first was during the Depression to give work to people. The second was the forestry encouragement grant scheme. The third was the 1990s when timber prices overseas spiked and everyone thought, wow, this is exciting, land is cheap, let's set up a pension scheme and 100,000 hectares a year was planted for about six years and then price crashed and people stopped planting and now because of carbon subsidy. So it's all about creating carbon sinks, nothing about growing wood for building or construction. Those days are kind of over, are they? I think so, uh, absolutely, because most people don't want to wait 30 years for a return on their capital. And if you do a, um, uh, what do you call it, a time thing for money, then uh, forestry didn't really stack up against uh, good sheep and beef farming. Yeah, I can understand that. All right, so this uh, fourth boom, let's call it that, that you speak of, that's come about by the special forestry test, right? Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So uh, during the 1990s, uh, New Zealand government thought, hey, this is working really well. We're, um, uh, we've got people planting trees without having to encourage them, and we're losing livestock numbers. So this looks good for New Zealand under the, um, the environmental uh, uh, thing at the time was that Kyoto or I, Kyoto? I yeah, th- I think it was Kyoto. Yeah, it, yeah, or the Brazilian thing. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yep, and then um, and then they realised later on they'd have to incentivise people to plant trees, and and so this whole emissions trading scheme came about, and and so on. And uh, to and and uh, Shane Jones was going around the country saying, this is a great way to get foreign capital into New Zealand. Foreigners buy our land, they plant trees, and and so um, whoever receives the money for selling the land will have um, some money to play with. Unfortunately, that's only a once and and then these foreign buyers are effectively on New Zealand social welfare for the next 30 years, depending on the price of carbon. But just recently, Paul... The OIO has had a change of uh, reference and instead of just passing any of these land sales for forestry without even looking at them, they now look at each sale and say, would this be a benefit to New Zealand? And I know that just a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, there were three uh, sales looked at and only one got approval. The other two 
the OIO said no, uh, we can't see enough benefits in New Zealand. Uh, the land is too good for farming to be put into trees. So it's about time, in my opinion, that this attitude changed. Um, and I want to go on and talk about something else, and that's that um, New Zealand farming has been blamed for 48% of New Zealand's greenhouse gas emissions profile because of ruminants belching methane and nitrous oxide. Well, this is a load of tosh. Uh, the latest science model demonstrates that methane and nitrous oxide are irrelevant in global warming. They're so minute in, in quantity that they don't count. It's mainly water vapour that absorbs warmth and to a smaller extent carbon dioxide and ozone responsible for about 1%. And this model has stood up to satellite observation data in different climates around the world, from Antarctica to Mediterranean uh, to wetter climates. Uh, the model uh, changes, but it fits almost 100% exactly. And why New Zealand doesn't adopt this, I really don't know. I think the main problem is people don't have the courage to challenge the existing narrative and to admit that they were wrong. Yeah, who would be challenging that narrative? Who has to admit they're wrong, Derek? Oh, I think uh, all both political parties, except ACT. ACT uh, voted against the emissions trading scheme in Parliament. Uh, they would be going against the narrative that's put out by the IPCC. But having said that, Paul, the IPCC, in its latest uh, major document in 2022, uh, admitted that the previous uh, influence that they said methane and nitrous oxide had was way less. It was like three to 400% reduced from what they had originally said. So they're on track to realise that methane and nitrous oxide are really irrelevant in global warming. And now they need to take the next step to uh, see this new science model and uh, say uh, to the world in general, hey, this isn't the issue as far as um, man-made climate warming is concerned. So the trees that are planted, you, you said that... Um you know, folk are on New Zealand's, the equivalent of New Zealand social welfare or something that you, you just made in a comment <laughs> a few minutes ago. So they get, yeah. they get something for planting those trees, what, for the whole period of time they're on there. Is that how it works? Yes, absolutely. So it takes a while from growing from little seedlings to get up to a, um, an age, uh, maybe four to five years. They start generating enough tonnes of carbon absorption per hectare to generate a good income, and then they will go on generating a good income until they're at least 30 years old, maybe 40 years old. Uh, most people plant pine trees because they're the fastest growing in our environment. And when, when the carbon subsidy ends, uh, who knows how soon that will be, then those trees can be cut down and, and actually um, used, get a wood value from them. Because the other thing, Paul, is that uh, carbon dioxide is not the big bogey that it's made out to be. Carbon dioxide uh, absorbs quite a lot of radiant heat when it's in really small quantities. But now uh, the uh, level in the atmosphere is up to 424 parts per million. Every extra, you could double the amount of carbon dioxide and it would have very little effect on climate warming because it's already had its 
absorption used up. And so uh, carbon dioxide, more carbon dioxide is actually good for the world because uh, you, you grow crops, uh, the better yields, and so on. So that's something you've got to like. Carbon dioxide levels were getting really low 100 to 200 years ago, uh, getting down to a point where plants won't even grow. They'll die, and therefore you don't have animal life either. So you've got to like carbon dioxide. It's the gas of life. No, we know about that. So really what I'm thinking, listening to you, is all this is based on a false premise. It's a fantasy world, kind of. Exactly, exactly. I just listened to a podcast this morning by an American uh, who, a seagull uh, is his name, who's made a big study of um, many, many papers written about the climate and so on. And he said, this is just a business. This is making a lot of money for a lot of people. It's creating a lot of science work for a lot of scientists. And therefore, people buy into the narrative because it's a money-making business. End of story. Yeah. Also, we have to think about national sovereignty, don't we? Because um, I wonder how much land was sold under the special forestry test for this before they tightened things up and obviously realised that uh, too much land was going into foreign hands presume that's why they've changed it around so we've basically well, given that, away yeah. kind of given away our land have we well i should we've given away most other things that banks are foreign owned and and some of our milk and meat processing is foreign owned i mean we're gradually selling off new zealand and it's, it's going to happen faster and faster because uh, our trade deficit is just getting bigger and bigger all the time we're in real trouble as an economy i, I mean i've, I've uh, developed the saying, go woke, go broke, is it a joke? I mean, yeah, yeah go woke, go broke. We, we are committing economic suicide by going down this path of renewables, uh, trying to get rid of our one coal-fired power plant station and, and closing down oil and gas uh, um, development or exploration. Uh, oh, it's just um, it's so naive. Everything we're doing is so naive and it needs to change radically or New Zealand is going to get a whole lot poorer. It's happening right now. It sounds like a shakedown or a scam. It is. Basically, it is a scam. It's all about money and control. This whole climate thing is all about money and control, political control and and so on. And United Nations wanting to be play big brother on world politics and the economy and yeah the those that are clever taking no notes china china has got over 1100 power plant uh, fired uh, power plants uh, coal-fired power plants at the moment and is building one a week uh right now so yeah it's it's um this is just pointless what new zealand's doing we get either bullied in these international negotiations or we get flattered and told we're going to lead the world. Well, that's just a load of bollocks. It's, it's sort of cringe-making, actually, when you think about it. So no one ever answers why, if the bigger economies, you mentioned China, India's another one, huge emitters, why we are going, you know, bending over backwards, almost um, depriving future generations of the prosperity they otherwise might have, because their lifestyles are going to be crimped and what they can do it will be crimped. No one seems to be able to 
answer that question of why we're doing this, given the others are doing what they're doing and we don't make any difference. I've, have you heard the media, the mainstream media, ask anything like that, any questions like that to the likes of the Greens, the likes of, well, even Christopher Luxon? I mean, he seems to be woke. Yes, I, I totally agree. Um, they they don't have the courage to change their ideas, to accept uh, new information. It, it's I mean, I despair, really. I, I've been farming in Australia for the last 20 years as well. They're not signed up to the Paris Accord. Well, I don't know whether they have recently, but uh, they certainly weren't. And they take a far more pragmatic, common-sense approach. They have a, a really robust trade surplus. And this year, they're going to have a government surplus. And look, what's going to happen? Lots of young New Zealanders are going to depart yeah. our shores and go and work there. It's happening in the health sector, of course, and, and lots of other sectors. Meantime, we're getting lots of immigrants from places like India who can see the opportunities here. All they have to do is work a little bit harder than the, uh, the people that live here, and they can get ahead and they start to own the assets, the supermarkets, the restaurants, and so on. It's happening quite quickly, right under our noses. I stayed with some really large dairy farmers in Canterbury last month, and Richard told me I wouldn't employ a New Zealander now. Really? Okay. Yeah. Filipinos, Filipinos and Indians. And he's got 27 houses on his property. He's got 5,000 cows. He started with nothing. Um, and... Really, um, it, it's, um, that's what's happening. We're in the throes of a takeover because New Zealanders don't want to do the hard work that brings the money into this economy, whether it be daring, uh, fruit picking, uh, and so on. Uh, and, and that's another feature of the economy, that the apple industry has just been really struck hard and, and exports of fruit, kiwi fruit exports, be down about 20% because of the bad weather. And, uh, yeah, this economy is in a mess. Whatever happened to us, do you think, Derek? Uh, you know, that sound, sounds like an epic loss of mojo. How did we get so lazy? How did we get so nonchalant? Whatever the word is. You got any ideas about that? Yeah, I've been thinking about that. Uh, and I think, yeah, this whole ethic of hard work and saving and so on started to disappear um, as house prices between 1970 and 2021 went up 107 times, the average house, and, but the average uh, wage salary only went up 11 times. Like it was a 10 to 1 ratio. So um, who's to blame for this? It became easier and easier to borrow money. And people got more and more sucked into that. So who's really made money out of this? It's the bankers and the politicians because they can control uh, the voters way more a whole lot more by promising handouts and they've got more and more beneficiaries and more and more bureaucrats and and more and more compliance and regulations. So those people who really generate business to make things happen, they're more and more tied down, taxed more and more heavily with threats of more and more to come, greenhouse gas taxes, water taxes, capital gain taxes, wealth taxes, um, significant natural areas and, and so on. Farming can't keep carrying this country uh, as it is now. Minimum wage up 44%. Internal inflation. More than half the farms in New Zealand, I'm talking dairy and sheep and beef, will make a loss this coming year. 
Wow. And and uh, export income is going to be well down. So that's going to start to affect uh, all New Zealanders very soon. Oh, dear. Just um, finally, also because you're, you're experiencing it literally at the moment and you're surrounded, I think you've only got, did you mention you've only got one bit of your property that's kind of uh, is next to an actual farm still and uh, you, Correct. You, you, you might be able to hang on to that. But, uh, you know, I'm picking that as this land has been converted, uh, it means that every um, former farm that had people on it now no longer has people on it. So that would eventually, okay, the small communities, but they bra- this breaks up communities, doesn't it, ultimately? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's possible that houses that went with these farms may still be lived in and people commuting to work somewhere else. Uh, but in more remote areas like Pongaroa and so on, yeah, the, there's just a, a real breakdown in, in terms of the number of kids at schools and um, able to uh, go to the pub. Uh, the Pongaroa Hotel is wonderful and, and the rugby team, uh, that that's um, uh, not happening this year for the first time in a long time. And, yeah, this uh, community just breaks down and, just coming back to your former question, Paul, yeah, I think there's a sense of entitlement now among young New Zealanders that right. they deserve a first world lifestyle and they're going to have a really comfortable job to enable them to do it. And Where, where you don't really have to work hard. You don't have to work hard in these jobs, right? You can sort of sit around, have a few meetings, look like yeah. you're shuffling things around and that's yeah. about it, which doesn't really create anything, does it? doesn't create anything. Exactly right, and um, that's the path we're going down, and this country is going to need a big reset, like 1984, except we've got social divisions now with part Maori people uh, being candid to and, and and so on. It's going to be a, a much bigger job this time, and I hope it's successful. Me too. Otherwise, uh, yeah, this, this country's in trouble, I reckon. And I, I, you know, going back to that uh, change from the special forestry test to the benefit to New Zealand test, I think you said that out of three, two were um, stopped, one was let through. This is this conversion to uh, forestry, farms to forestry, which tells you historically then, because you can look back on when the special forestry test was in place, that the majority are not beneficial to New Zealand, right? Yeah, well, 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 you could read that, read that um, into it, couldn't you? From you know, they turned down, let one through, turned down two. Okay, that's that's yes, yeah. yes. I know. Well, I totally agree. I mean, I've been logging. I, I, I I've got woodlots on my farm and elsewhere. I've got, got about eighty five hectares, and I've been logging since nineteen ninety four. And I I talk with um, my logging contractor who who um, sells direct into China, and our problem is China is going to be self sufficient in logs very soon, uh, they could be right now. And and you know what our, our wood gets useful? Mainly for boxing around concrete or right. for pallets. Okay. And <laughs> and then it, then it gets burnt. And so the carbon goes back into the atmosphere and it, it's just a, a silly uh, kind of dream that this carbon gets locked up and, and doesn't go back into the atmosphere. I, I mean, it's just a joke, really. Yeah, it sounds like at every point this thing falls over. Okay, well, interesting talking with you. Derek, any final comments? Uh, no, I just I just hope that 
Uh, the common sense of New Zealanders shows through at this election, and and that the um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a national government that they have the mandate to do some real major changes because we can't keep borrowing $72 million a day uh, on behalf of the government to to pay people who don't want to work and or are doing work that's not useful. So uh, that's my fond hope for the next month. All right, uh, Derek Daniel, waited up a farmer near Masterton. Thanks for coming on RCR and uh, kind of enlightening us on that. Thank you, Paul. Enjoy that chat. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.